Good morning. Welcome to Christ Church. We are so glad to have you here today. Especially if you're new, we invite you to join us every Sunday um, where we open the Bible, we learn about God's love and his word and how we can apply it in our own lives. We also sing um, all together and express how we feel about God's grace. Uh, we invite you to sing with us this morning. Uh, if you're not into the singing, no pressure. You could just listen. That's okay. Um, we're going to start with a, a good one, though, to sing loud, a familiar Christmas carol um, where we express the joy that we feel in loving God. Uh, so if you're at home in your jammies, you can stand or sit. We won't even know. And if you're here, please stand and sing with us today. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare Him room. And never let nature sing. And never let nature sing.
Father, it is true that we sing of your joy this morning, a joy that only you can bring. Lord, you are our joy, our peace, our hope. Hebrews 13, 8 says that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that is why we can bring all that we are to you because you are constant and unchanging. God, we thank you. We thank you for your presence in this place and in our lives and in our hearts this season. God, we worship you and we adore you because you are worthy. Lift our hands and our hearts to you in praise and adoration for who you are and what you've done and yet to do. We pray all these things in your son Jesus Christ's name and the church together said, amen. 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 Uh, you all can take a seat. What a joyful morning it is getting to share in this Sunday morning with you all in God's presence. Um, I want to say welcome to everyone here in this room, but then also to everyone joining us online. We are so glad that you are here and so glad that you decided to share some of your Sunday morning with us. I want to extend an especially warm welcome to those of you who are new or joining us for the first time um, here in person or online. Um, if you want to know more of what we have going on here at Christchurch, you can um, either text the number that is on the screen or, or follow the link that we have there as well. Or if you are online, just put something in the chat and our hosts would love to um, chat with you. We have a whole bunch of stuff going on here at Christ Church. Well, we are very grateful for what we do here on Sunday mornings. We have a lot going on throughout the week. And so if you want to know more about um, what we do here at Christ Church, um, you can follow those, um, the, the link as well as text the number um, that we have on the screen as well. So we actually have a whole bunch going on um, of great things of these next coming Sundays. Um, so next Sunday, we have, um, we're going to hear from our beloved Tara Beth Leach, Reverend Tara Beth Leach. Um, well, she delivers the message she's um, entitling Radiant Church. Now, I know that God has something very powerful to share with us through that message. Um, we're particularly looking at how we can be the church to those around us. And so I want to invite you to come back and join us. Uh, maybe even think about who you could extend that invitation to as well. I know God has something powerful to share with us. And so I'd love to welcome you back for that. And then that following Sunday, we're going to be starting our new series. And we're calling that new series, Where Do We Go From Here? Thriving in 2021. Now we know that many of us through the roller coaster of the pandemic um, have been feeling lots of emotions. And we have, I think many of us are feeling like we are just surviving and so as a church family, we're going to be looking at what, is, what do scriptures say about thriving? And so if you know anyone who, who, who may need to hear that message, or if you need to hear that message as well, I, I would highly encourage you to come back and check that out as well. I know just like um, next Sunday, God is going to speak powerfully through this series. And now before I invite my friend Steve up, we have just a, a quick message from um, our beloved senior pastor, Dan Meyer. Together. Come here. <laughs> this is also the last Sunday that Heather DeBoer is leading us in worship in this particular way because next Saturday, she's marrying our middle son, Cole Meyer. <laughs> 
And uh, we are... <laughs> and the Myers feel like we're winning that deal. It feels like we have definitely uh, come out ahead in that. Heather, you have been such an incredible light in the life of our church over these many, many years. You were a little child growing up in the life of this body and has gone on to become one of the most amazing ministers amongst the students and families of our church. And we are going to miss you, but your future mother-in-law and I are coming to haunt you down in Austin, <laughs> Texas a lot. So we love you so love much you and we thank you for your ministry with us. Love you too. You've been great, yeah. I think 2020 has been one of those years which uh, we've often said uh, to one another, we plan to forget as quickly as we can and move on. But the reality is, amidst all of the challenges, the apparent scarcity, the difficulties, the weariness, the reversals and surprises of the worst kind this past year, God has still been at work. And he has never stopped trying to bring forth his good purposes in our lives. And I want to invite you to think about where you've actually experienced that to be true for yourself. Where has something that has come about as a result of this pandemic and the circumstances of our world opened up some new space in your life for God? Where have you felt a need for his grace in a deeper way? Where have you come alive to one of the important values of his kingdom? Where have you found yourself drawn towards a deeper relationship with him or towards the people around you? You know, as a pastor of this church, it's just been a really great privilege for me to watch God at work through this congregation in recent days. And I will just say that 2020 is going to go down in my personal experience as one of the greatest windows into the wonder of God's work through his church that I've ever had in all of the decades I've been doing ministry. And I just want to say thank you to you for when you, when you left the building, you didn't stop being the church. In fact, in a, in a more impressive way than maybe ever before, you have sought to be the love of Jesus uh, in your homes, in your families, in your neighborhoods, in all of the spheres of your life. And I, I've had a chance to see just how amazingly faithful you as a congregation have been to supporting the work that we're all doing together. Uh, because of your generosity over these many, many months now, we have been able to continue to do the ministry of the church. We've been putting on worship services. We've been providing online resources to people. Uh, we've been able to continue to raise up children and students in the faith uh, through the online resources, through the backyard gatherings, through the parking lot celebrations we've done. Uh, we have together, during 2020, uh, supported uh, 80 to 90 mission partners uh, domestically and globally to the tune of more than a million dollars in life circumstances that were frankly a lot harder for them than they have been, been even here for the, those of us in the United States. And uh, the gratitude they have felt that there is a Christ church uh, out there that is providing this kind of aid is really hard to, to describe. Uh, on top of all that, we've committed another $75,000 as a congregation to COVID disaster relief projects of various kinds. This would not have been possible without God's grace moving through you. And it is a really humbling thing to see it in action. 
So I just want to say thank you on behalf of the staff, the trustees, the elders of Christ Church for your generosity. Uh, as we go into the very last days of the year, uh, I know Amy and I will be making some of our final financial decisions, those last contributions for the year. And Christ Church will be number one on our list. It'll be our highest priority because we believe so much in the importance of the local church where a vision of the kingdom is given, where people are drawn into relationship with Jesus, where moral character gets shaped, where nonprofits and mission agencies get born. The local church is one of God's greatest instruments in history. Thank you for caring about that. And as you make your own decisions in these next days about your year-end giving, thank you so much for your continued faithfulness and your support, not just support of Christ Church, but your commitment to being Christ Church. You can follow the instructions you see on the screen if you choose to give. Thank you so much for your partnership in the work of the gospel. Let's present to the Lord now his tithe and our offerings. sound of 
Let's pray. Let's pray together and praise God for them. Lord, we, we lift our day to you. This year has been hard and we're scared of what's to come. God, we just, we just give ourselves to you. 
And in the midst of the storm, we say, Lord, it is well. It is well. Amen. Well, good morning, friends. Welcome again to Christ Church. I think I'm the fourth person to welcome you. We're just so glad to be here with you. Um, uh, my name's Steve Noble. I serve on the staff team here at the church, and we're just glad to be worshiping alongside you. I hope that your Christmas was filled with joy, um, filled with the peace of our Lord. I know things did not maybe um, turn out the way that we hoped they would this year. I hope that your holiday was joyful all the same. This morning, as we prepare to turn the page on the year that has been 2020, a page I imagine many of us are eager to turn, I'd like to take a moment and reflect on the peace that our Lord Jesus offers us in the midst of the instability of our world. Because the truth is, we're going to flip our calendars forward in a couple days, but we can't simply just turn the page on the instability of our world. We are living in an uncertain Time and even with vaccines on the way, I imagine much of this instability, this is going to carry over into the year to come. But the message of the gospel, the good news that we receive and we celebrate at Christmas is that our Lord Jesus Christ, God himself come to earth, he offers us peace in the middle, in the midst of our instability, and he gives us a vision for a future in him in which on such instability will be no more. During the Advent season, we've journeyed together through a series we've called The Light Leads Us. As we've done so, we've leaned on the poetic description of Christ's birth at the start of John's gospel, where John tells us that the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world, and that light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Later in his record of Jesus' life, John records a similar statement from Jesus. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. It's this light into the darkness that draws us ever back to the Christmas story, the gospel story, that God sees us in our brokenness. He sees the darkness and the pain and the challenge of our world, and he has not abandoned us to it. Rather, he is our Emmanuel. He is God with us. He is the light that gives us peace in the midst of the instability of our world. Jesus gives us peace in instability. And he talks a lot about this peace in the Bible. In John 16, he says, I have spoken these things to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. In John 14, Jesus says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give as the world gives. And he goes on, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. There's a story that appears in three of the four Gospels from Jesus' life that I think illustrates this well, this this presence, Jesus' presence in the midst of instability. Um, It's not the most quaint Bible story. It's not the one we normally gather together on Christmas Eve around our fireplaces and read, but I'm drawn to this because I think as we look at how does Jesus actually meet us here in this stuff that we're living in, I, I, I think this story provides a pretty good example of that. Let's receive the word of the Lord. Lord, guide our hearts. Guide our thinking. Fill us with your spirit and help us to understand. In Jesus' name we pray. 
Amen. That day, when the evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in a boat. And there were also other boats with him. And a furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. And Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? And he got up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. And the wind died down and it was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and they asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. And they went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain, for he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart, broke the irons on his feet, and no one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. And I'm going to skip us ahead here a little bit. There's a bit of a long back and forth spark notes version. Jesus heals the man. He casts the demons out. They go into a herd of pigs. They run into the sea. It's a wild story. Um, but I want to jump us ahead because I want us to pay attention. Where does Jesus place himself in that story? How does he position himself? I pick up in verse 14. He says, those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and the countryside and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the demons sitting there dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. And the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. As Jesus was getting into the boat, a man, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him, but Jesus did not let him. And he said, go home to your own people and tell how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the region of the 10 towns how much Jesus had done for him and all the people were amazed. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Lord, I pray that you allow, allow us to hear your word, to understand who you are, that we might live in the light that you give us. In Jesus' name we pray. Well, I know that's a strange story, but as I said, I, I'm drawn to this passage because I think it paints a healthy vision, a healthy picture of the variety of suffering and instability that we face. Each one of us experience instability in different ways, and as such, we need Jesus to meet us in those places differently. There are three examples of instability in that passage where I, that I'd like to look at today, and the three places where Jesus meets them in that instability first the ship. Some of us have experienced 2020 like the disciples experienced that storm. We thought we were in control. We bought into the lie that told us if we could just work hard enough, do the right things, attach ourselves to God in the right way, prepare in the right ways, then everything would just fall into line. Things would be easy, smooth sailing. These guys, the disciples, they've made the right decisions. They've chosen to follow Jesus. They've been with him every step of the way, studying with him, serving in the community, traveling from town to town, preaching about the coming 
kingdom. And as Jesus' influence grew, so too their stars are growing in the community. The crowds around them, they're getting bigger and bigger. People are starting to notice them in the streets. These guys are starting to feel a little larger than life. And then the storm came. And they weren't in control anymore. And as the waves washed over the boat, they would have begun to feel increasingly small. You can only bail so much water out of a ship. Who were they to hold back the wind and the waves? It began to look like they couldn't keep the boat afloat, that they were going to sink, and there was nothing they could do about it. They thought they were in control, and now it's very clear that they aren't. And their response, if you caught this, their response is frantic action. They are working as hard as they can trying to regain control. And while all of this is happening, Jesus is asleep. He's experiencing the same instability as his friends. And his friends, they're frantically working. He's not. He's asleep. He's resting. And as he does, I think he models for us something important that we can cling to in our instability. You see, sleep is an interesting thing. It's an everyday reminder of our own mortality, a reminder that we are completely reliant on God. When we sleep, we trust in God to sustain us. We trust that the God who never sleeps will watch over us. When we sleep, we are reminded that we are not infinite, that we are not God, that we cannot accomplish all things through the power of our own might. When we sleep, we confess that we are not in control, and we trust in the God of creation to carry us through the storm. And so as Jesus, fully God, fully man, slept, he models this peace that faith in God gives us. There's this lie that tells us if we can work hard enough, we can take control of our lives. We can manage all the variables, that we are the masters of our own destinies, but the truth is we are small. We cannot control the world, and so our call is to stop trying to control everything, not giving up. We don't give up, but we rest in the arms of the God who is in control, so do all you can. Bail water out like crazy. Take care of your family, socially distance, wear your mask, prepare, but at the end of the day, rest. Sleep. The disciples, they scramble to wake Jesus up and they say, Master, Master, don't you care that we're going to drown? And he gets up and he shows who he is. He calms the storm. And then he questions their faith. Why? Because as soon as they lost control, they lost themselves. What does peace look like in instability? Sometimes it just looks like rest. Psalm 127 shares this, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. And clearly I'm I'm focusing on this story from a theological standpoint, right? That that there's a trust thing going on here, a faith thing going on. But I think this story is decidedly practical too. Tish Harrison Warren shares this, talking about this very story. She says, God cares about sleep. One of my Warrens, 
favorite moments in the gospel is when Jesus conks out in the back of the middle, back of the boat in the middle of a storm. His sleep was theological in that it displayed an unwavering trust in his father, but let's not forget that it's also an ordinary example of a tired man taking a nap. Jesus wants to give us not just lives of holiness and prayer, but also of sufficient rest. God wants you to rest and to trust that he's got it. So work as hard as you can, but at the end of the day, rest. Knowing that the God of the universe who can do more than you ever could is on it and then get up and get after it again. I want to pause here and clarify something because in this story we see Jesus moving powerfully and saving his people. They make it through that storm, but the promise of the gospel, the peace that Jesus offers us in the midst of the storms that we will face is not saying that we will make it through everything. No, we will die. We will lose loved ones. Some of us have lost loved ones this year. That is not a sign of God's abandonment. No, the peace that God offers us, even in the face of the most devastating loss, is a peace knowing that he is still working, that death is not the end for us, that he has overcome death itself, that even when we can't do anything to help ourselves or those we love, that he is actively working on our behalf for our salvation. He gives us a peace that passes understanding in those unbelievable storms of our lives, allowing us to rest in him. My dear friend and colleague, Peter Solaro, uh, he's experienced devastating loss um, personally in 2020 with the, a cancer diagnosis and, and ultimate um, passing of his mother. It's been really hard. And something I admire about Peter is that he never shies away from or talks down his own pain. But at the same time, I've been able to see firsthand in him this immense, almost palpable peace that has so filled him and his family. So I sat down with him this week because um, I wanted to talk through, I wanted to hear from him. How have you experienced God's peace? Have you experienced the peace of Christ in this season? And he, what he shared was so, so profound, so beautiful. I wrote it down. I want to share just a little bit of Peter's heart with you. Peter says this, he says, it's not just hope that comes from knowing we'll be in heaven one day, like a nice consolation prize to make up for a painful life, yes. We have that hope of eternity. We look forward to being reunited in glory, but it's also a true tranquility of the heart that God grants us right now. That peace and even joy in the midst of loss come in the releasing, accepting that we can't do enough to accomplish some things. And that not all that we want to happen will happen, but that's okay. Even when this broken world brings hardship and death, there is peace in knowing that God has conquered death. He is the great redeemer. He loves us abundantly and his will is good. You, you may not be here yet. You may not be able to say, what Peter says yet, but I want you to know, those of you who are experiencing hardship and, and trauma and loss right now, I want you to know, know that God has not abandoned you. God has not 
abandoned you. The peace that the Lord gives us in the storm is not this pie in the sky, everything's gonna turn out all right type of peace. It's something deeper, it's richer, it's more real than that. As long as we live on this earth, we will face hardship. The truth is we will often be reminded of our own lack of control. The peace that Jesus gives us is a peace rooted in ultimate redemption, that he will make all things well. And he invites us to participate in that work that he's doing so we get to work as hard as we can. He's invited us to work with him, bail out water, bail water out of the ship as fast as you can. But at the end of the day, he also invites us to rest knowing that he is still working, that he never tires of working on your behalf. So friends, rest. The second example of instability in the story I read earlier that I wanna, I wanna talk through is obviously the man who lives in the tombs. While the disciples, they scramble around as they realize that all of a sudden they're not in control, this is someone who's presented to us as someone whose experience is rather different. He seems to have no sense of control. I imagine he did not feel like someone who was in charge of his own destiny. Catch again how he's described by Mark. Mark said, this man lived in the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. This man was living in the tombs. He's been given up for dead. Now, admittedly, this is a strange passage in the Bible. This is one of the, the, the weirder stories that sometimes we're tempted to flip through. There's demons, there's pigs, there's a lot going on. I don't want us to get too tripped up looking at the details of what was the nature of his affliction, what was the demonic activity, why was that there, why are there pigs, is this an image of Rome? Maybe. There's a lot to look at and there's a time for that. What I want us to look at today, I wanna set that just to the side. And I want us to look at where does Jesus position himself in this story? In the midst of that craziness, where does Jesus position himself? Allow me to paint a picture for you here. In the passages leading up to this story where they get on the boat, right before they get on the boat, we see the crowds around Jesus getting bigger and bigger. Two verses earlier in Luke 8, we see Jesus' mother and brothers trying to approach him to talk to him, and they can't even get near him because the crowds are so big. Jesus is getting quite the following. And up until this point, Jesus has moved from town to town, and mostly on the west and the north sides of the Sea of Galilee. These are the primarily Jewish parts of the region in his day, and in those spaces, he's become a bit of a celebrity. He's got this platform to teach. People are listening to his message, and so when he says to his disciples, let's go over to the other side, we probably assumed, they probably assumed he meant, let's just go to one of these other significant cities or towns that we have been bouncing between for the last eight chapters. That's not where they go. Jesus and his disciples sail now for the first time southeast. They go across the notoriously dangerous heart of the Sea of Galilee to the region of the Gerasenes, which was in the Decapolis, this, this Roman and Greek stronghold. This was contested territory. This was a war zone. 
They leave the safety of the towns they know. They travel to foreign territory, and they don't even go to a town or a village. They go to this remote area of caves turned graveyard where they meet this afflicted man. And then the next part of the story, immediately following their interaction, Jesus is asked to leave. They travel all this way. They face the peril of a storm and they immediately get chased out of town and they go right back home. And so the question we have to ask is, why? Jesus is fully God. He knew what was going to happen. He displays numerous times in the scriptures that he knows the future. He knows what people are thinking. He knows what's coming down the road. He knew he was placing himself in an uncomfortable situation. He knew that this was going to be a brutal journey. He knew it was going to be an absolute failure by human standards. He knew he'd be returning in a day or two from where they started with no story of success or triumph, their boat nearly destroyed, their gear in tatters after the storm, why would Jesus put his people, put himself through this? This is not a strategic move. The only answer that makes sense to me is that he went, he went all that way, he went for that one guy. Jesus displays again and again that he is intentional to get close in proximity to those who are hurting. He makes himself uncomfortable to bring peace to someone whose life is overcome with instability. He crossed a sea. He faced a storm. He took on rejection to bring peace to one person, and he does the same for you. Friends, some of us have experienced 2020 like that man in the tombs. We've been separated from our communities, given up for dead even. We are lost, irredeemable, beyond the point of return. We've been overcome with addiction, with mental health challenges, with trauma, with isolation. Our worlds have crumbled around us and there is no reason that Jesus should come across the sea for us. We don't deserve such grace. We probably can't even imagine a world where we might even experience peace, but still he comes. He comes for us and he makes us new again. He is the light that guides us from instability to peace. Jesus comes across the sea. He makes himself uncomfortable for us. The last people I want to talk about in this story are the people who reject Jesus, the townspeople. They've seen the miraculous. They, they see this guy that they once knew as the crazy guy from the tombs. They see him sitting in front of them in his right mind and, and dressed, and the Bible says they were afraid. They hear the eyewitness accounts, and maybe they're troubled by Jesus' power. Maybe they're troubled by the economic loss incurred by the death of the pigs. Maybe they just don't want their lives to change because they're comfortable, but they decide that they don't want anything to do with the guy. They're not ready to have their lives turned upside down like that, and they send Jesus on his way. And the story goes that the man who had been healed asked Jesus if he could come with him, and Jesus says, no, here's what Luke says. The man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with him. But Jesus sent him away saying, return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. You see, the people who told Jesus to leave were experiencing their own type of instability. 
Jesus came into town and he shook things up. He shows his power. And while the one man sits at his feet transformed, ready to join the team, in the townspeople we see rather a different response, one of fear. They are inches from the one person who could transform their lives for the better and they choose to reject him. He's right in front of them and they choose to reject him. And in Jesus' response, I want us to catch this, we see something really, really important. Jesus doesn't wash his hands of them. He doesn't do the old, uh, I tried, and go home, right? Instead, he sends the man back. He sends the man back as a living testament to God's love and power. He sends them someone who will be able to show them the way to transformation. He sends them someone whose life has been so transformed that they can't help but see it so that when they are ready, when they're ready, they'll have someone who will show them the way back to the God who has never given up on them. For some of us, 2020 has just been too much. And we're maybe not ready to come before God and ask him to transform us. We're maybe not even sure what that means. Some of us have actively rejected God. We want no part in what he's doing. But even when we have given up on Jesus, he does not give up on us. He always provides us a way back. He's always giving us that little glimmer of hope, that little image of what he is doing, who he is. Maybe it's through a friend or a child or through the beauty of creation or that crazy guy whose life has been transformed. But Jesus always provides us with a roadmap. He always gives us that way back to peace. Even when we choose to reject Jesus, even when we choose to stay, to remain in our instability, Jesus gives us a path back to his peace. At Christmas, we are reminded that Jesus is the light of the world. And his light guides us from instability to peace. As we close today, I want you to ask yourself, what action do you need to take? Where are you in that story? Some of us need to give up control and trust God. We need to realize that we can't keep the ship afloat with our own frantic action. We need to give ourselves the freedom to rest and to trust God, so rest. He's got you. And again, I do wanna make this important note. Sometimes we will trust God with all of our heart. Like we'll have so much faith in him and still our loved one loses the battle. Not every ship makes it through the storm on this earth, but I want you to know that the peace that God gives us is this peace knowing that he will ultimately, we will ultimately be with him. Death is not the end, and in that truth, we can rest. Jesus says, who of you can add a single day to your life by worrying? Some of us need to give ourselves freedom to rest. Others of us feel completely lost left for dead, abandoned, too far gone. If that's you, I want you to know Jesus will always come. He will make himself uncomfortable to come to you, so just know he's coming. He will bring you peace. 
If you're like me, you might be challenged by the story of Jesus crossing the sea, the depth of Jesus' intentionality to get close in proximity to those who are in need. I hear that story and I ask myself, what does it look like for me to go to the other side? I'm comfortable here. But I know there are people on the other side of town, on the other side of the world, the other side of this room who need help. What does it look like for me to to say what Jesus said? Let's go to the other side. I might need to consider it again in 2021. What does it mean for me to get close in proximity to people who need help? Finally, some of us approach Jesus with trepidation. We're not sure we're ready to have our lives transformed by him. And if that's you, I want you to know that's okay. But also know he's never going to give up on you. You've never missed your chance. You're never too far gone. He's never washed his hands of you. He will always make a way for you. Friends, as we enter 2021, let's draw near to the God who moves us from a place of instability to one of peace. Will you pray with me? Lord, meet us here today. We stand before you broken, shattered by this hard year, some of us. We need you to come to us. We need you to come across the sea for us. God, give us strength, courage, knowing that you are coming. That even when we feel broken, too far gone, you have come for us. Lord, give us eyes to see the way that we need to go across that sea too and draw near to those who are hurting. Grant us your rest, God. Help us to to rest and trust in you. And Lord, I pray for those in our community who are still trying to figure out whether they're they're gonna believe in this guy, this Jesus guy. God, help them to know that you are loving and that you will never give up on them. We give our year 2021 to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Friends, will you stand and worship with us? People come together Strangers, neighbors Our blood is one Children of generations Of every nation The kingdom comes So don't let your heart be troubled Hold your head up I don't fear no evil Fix your eyes on this one truth 
Praise go up as the walls come down. Our creation, everything will rather repeat the sound. Our children, clean hands, pure heart, good grace, good God. His name is Jesus. We sing, sweet wine. Are you heaven? Let the praise go up as the walls go creation, everything we would rather repeat the sound, all is children, clean hands, pure hearts, good grace, good God, His name is Jesus, Jesus, sweetheart, are you heaven, let the praise go on, let the walls come down, all creation, Friends, it has been a joy to be worshiping with you, whether you are here in the room with us or joining us on our live stream. We love you. We are praying for you. We are praying complete blessing over our community and all of your loved ones as you enter into the year 2020. Now will you receive this benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and lift his countenance to you as you step into this new year and may he fill you with the fullness of his peace and his joy and his love until we meet again and forevermore. Go in peace.